Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Clean Libertarian Podcast, your one-stop destination for everything involving the war on drugs and what the libertarians want to do about it. Uh, Today, I had on Mr. Jay Norton, none other than the Libertarian Armed Bear Caucus. Uh, This guy is a personal friend of mine. Uh, He is one of the inspiring members of the LP who kind of drew me in and showed me the ropes and has really helped define what it means to be a active member of a affiliate that is actually doing good, good things. And, uh, got to apologize ahead of time. There was a couple of spots in here where there was, uh, internet connectivity, uh, problems, uh, early on in the beginning and then halfway through we had to kind of pause because he got booted out of the uh, podcast but we got it back on track and overall I think you guys are really going to get something out of this Um, what it is today that we discussed was bottom unity and um, kind of the reality of that and the fallacy in it and you know I was on here with Kevin Hobby a while back and we kind of discussed some things and this is not so much a counter argument to that episode. Uh, it's just kind of a refinement of Jay's own personal spin on what he believes to be uh, the reality of bottom unity and what that should consist of. And uh, got to say, I'm on board with a lot of it. So hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we we also cover a couple of other topics, but you'll hear all that. And uh, yeah, this is a fun episode. You guys are really going to dig it. All right, what's going on, Jay? Nice to have you on the show. Hey, how's it going? Going pretty good. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, right. um, Jay Jay Norton is a uh, friend of mine, personal friend of mine. Him and his wife Sharice are both wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, Jay is the IT director for the Oklahoma LP, and uh, he's also the Man, the myth, the legend behind the Libertarian Armed Bear Caucus. Jay, you want to kind of expand my, on, the, my on that? My own legend. Um, that uh, the IT thing or the the caucus thing? The the, the caucus. The, <laughs> the, the caucus, caucus part that that mostly came out of my uh, early forays into the National Party, and I was more. Uh, I was a little disillusioned with the caucus just the sheer number of them. And I thought, why are there so many different caucuses when we all, you know, should quote unquote, be more in tune with each other than perhaps the two established bigger parties. So I thought, well, if there's gonna be a radical caucus and a audacious caucus and an outright group and all these people, I'm gonna make my own caucus and it's just gonna be me. And maybe my wife. And it was really just a, ma- a way for me to have a landing page for my, you know, blatherings on whatever political topic was was interesting me that day. But you're building a brand and I like that brand. It's, well, and I thought, why not? You know, it's 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 not really a caucus per se. It's basically, as the name indicates, it's something of a play on words, the old joke, the right to keep an arm bears. Um, <laughs> So like that's, it. that's kind of what we're doing. Of course, uh, Mrs. Arm Bear Caucus is, is, is active. We, we post on the Facebook page and then I run the Twitter and, and all that. And we, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to pin us down as any particular left or right, quote unquote, libertarian, you know, in our, 
in our preferences. I think we're both we're both Gen X types. You know, we have a certain sensibility about things based off of when we grew up a little bit. But you know, I'm a I'm not interested in caucuses fighting each other. I'm interested in uh, do you support our platform or not? So. Yeah. You know, like when Joe goes, when Joe Jorgensen says, my platform is the LP platform, you can read it here. I'm like, there you go. Fair enough. Yeah. That's what I'm about. Yeah. No need to di dissect it further and just make a mess out of the thing. So, you know, that's kind of where that comes from. Um, I came into the, I, people say, well, when did you become a libertarian? I'm like, I, I really don't know. I've been politically independent, semi homeless for years yeah uh, and and I, I actually had registered as in Oklahoma by the way you you can't be registered you don't register as quote independent you register as no party which is what they you know everyone calls it independent but I was no party for years and years and years after um, you know briefly being a Democrat in high you know as soon as I graduated high school like for a year and then going Republican and then going independent after the Gulf War because I was kind of tired of you know, tired of it all already. And then, you know, we're talking about the Gulf War was 1991. Right. So I was independent for probably 15 years, found a local uh, state representative that I really liked and supported. It's kind of like a miniature Justin Amash, uh, miniature, not physically, but, you know, politically. And so I registered a Republican for a few years to help him primary and stay in the state house because you know that was that was a matter of expedience and then as soon as he termed out i at about the chin uh and that's when i i jumped back and said okay i can register as a libertarian and there we are and that's been you know state and national party members for the past couple of years and look at you now oh well, yeah look at me now i'm big stuff right yeah. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you are, man. Uh, no, I mean, you and you and Sharice played a very integral role into showing me that it is possible to be involved with a political affiliate, and not want to pull my hair out. Yeah. Uh, you guys walked me through the process in more ways than one and uh, appreciate you for that. You know, well, you're welcome. I, I am actually very flattered by that statement. I, I, I don't know how comfortable I feel in any kind of mentoring role, but it, it turns into more of a, hey, hey, it's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you're there, buddy, so get used to it. Um, but the, the reason I brought you on today uh, was to, I, I had Kevin on a while back and we had talked about bot immunity and mm -hmm. I'm going to, here's a disclaimer to everybody listening. I have had a little bit of a change of heart. Uh, this summer has been one that has opened my eyes to a lot of the stuff going on in the LP as far as the different sides of this ordeal. And I'm not so sure I'm as open-minded as I used to be on the idea of bot immunity, but uh, that's kind of where I'm at, man. It's been a little, a little rough trying to get people to meet at the same table. Um, but I wanted to bring you on to kind of talk about your point of view on it and because you have a very interesting take and a very principled take. So I wanted to get you to kind of shed some light on what you think the reality of bottom unity is. So you take it from there. Sir. So 
uh, as I understand it, bot immunity, uh, as everyone may or may not be familiar, is the notion that on the that dual access political spectrum that's so popular, um, the bottom quadrants, which are the libertarian left and libertarian right, should work together to abolish the state, even if we don't agree on everything. And that sounds great in theory. Um, my personal view, which as we all know is, is pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the dual axis political spectrum is essentially false. It's, it's, it's a great recruiting tool. I think, I think it adds complexity though, where none exists in my view, the actual political spectrum and a lot of libertarians will agree with me is authoritarian on one end. You can pick left or right, I don't care. Authoritarian on one end and libertarian on the other end. To me, if you, if you wanna talk about principles, all freedom, all liberty is ultimately personal, right? So when we talk about personal or social freedoms versus economic freedoms, it's a false dichotomy. It's not, it's not that economic freedom like the idea that right libertarians are more for economic freedom than social freedoms and the left libertarians are more about social freedoms than economic ones. I think because you have a preference as to what kinds of liberty you like better than others, that is, that doesn't matter to me. You have no moral authority to dictate to me what kinds of freedom I should enjoy. Right. So right. When a le and so so I say the left and right libertarian is is also false. I mean that you either believe that I should have the freedom to do business with whoever I want and ingest a plant or marry five dogs or whatever it is that I think is appropriate, or you don't. I mean. Don't don't marry five dogs. We're not advocating. No, no. I mean, I'm not advocating any of these things. We're we're talking, you know, hypothetically speaking. Right. I don't have the ability to tell Drew what kind of cigar he should smoke, or if he should smoke cigars. I any more than I have the authority to tell Drew or believe that he should or shouldn't own a weapon or any of these things, or live in a, a commune or or any of that. So that kind of circles back to. You know, bottom unity. Uh, I think if I'm going to do the hot take, and you tell me when you're ready for the hot take. Bring it on, hot, man. My hot take is that the notion of bottom unity, particularly as espoused by people like Mike Shipley and others of his, you know, the libertarian socialist groups, to me, the, the notion of bottom unity is something of a smokescreen to let libertarian socialists appear to be a reasonable form of libertarianism. And I don't want this whole thing to turn into me just dunking on libertarian socialists because, you know, I don't, I don't tolerate, you know, libertarian Trumpism either or any of those right. kind of things. Um, and I'm not saying I'm the guru on the mountain and I equally uh, dunk on both ends, but it seems to me that if you're in a group that doesn't agree with probably 50% of the LP platform, 
you might be in the wrong place. And this is <laughs> this is going to sound that people are going to say, you're just trying to be the only real libertarian. I'm like, no, I, I just want to know if you agree with even half of our platform before you run around saying you're libertarian. Right. It's not fair to the other people in the party who agree with, you know, 80 to 90 to 100 percent of it. Because right. um, sometimes I also I also like to use the analogy of, say, a religion. If you want to say libertarianism is a religion, uh, there's certain there's certain elements of any religion that you should probably adhere to or believe in to be considered orthodox, you know, in that religion. And one of them in the Libertarian Party is you you sort of should probably believe in private property. Yeah, yeah, that's a good and one. Every libertarian socialist I've ever talked to wants to make the distinction between private property and personal property. And then you're you can never seem to nail it down. And I'm sure there'll be a libertarian socialist who will correct me. But the impression I get is, well, if it's your house that you live in and it's not too big for their comfort, then yes, it could be your private property or your personal property, but you can't have, you can't own other properties elsewhere before that becomes a problem. Hmm. And, you know, every, I'm not saying, I don't think that if you wanted to live in a commune or a kibbutz or any of these types of, you know, social groups that you shouldn't be able to do that. But inevitably, I think, as we, we probably all realize that if you actually lived in a commune or a social, a socialist group voluntarily, are you able to leave at will? And what does that do? I mean, how do you attract people to that? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to get off too far into the weeds, but I just don't, I don't see those groups, you know, working large scale. Right. Um, and so I would really appreciate it again, if you only agree with say 50% of the platform that you, you know, maybe go do your own thing. I, we don't take the, take this as another example. Uh, a lot of people really like uh, Tulsi Gabbard, right? Cause yeah. she's principled and she's anti-war, but nobody says she's libertarian. They say she's a principled Democrat who's anti-war. She still believes in, you know, universal healthcare and common sense gun laws and all these other things and nobody would even nobody who has any brains is going to say yeah she's a great she'd make a great libertarian right because she's probably the typical i you know i agree with these things these social aspects of your platform but the economic aspects i don't and that's back to the whole all freedom is personal eventually right to me so uh kevin and i <laughs> go go round and round on this sometimes because um, as maybe people at home may or may not know, you know, Kevin's a good friend too. And uh, we love you, and, Kevin. Good and he, he will often say, and we'll probably have to have another follow-up podcast where we go, you know, <laughs> yeah. three ring circus. But, uh, you know, he will say things like we have, we as libertarians have more in common with the left than the right. My only response to that is perhaps, but I don't consider the right to be the right as other people do. Like I said, I think you're authoritarian on the left and you're libertarian on the right or whatever you want to say. Um, 
I don't think we have necessarily more in common with Democrats than we do with Republicans as they stand today. Yeah. I think in 1960 something, the, you know, the kind of the Goldwater Republicans, that would be easy. You know, we would, we would be way closer to them than, than Republicans today. But by the same token, we, we wouldn't have as much beef with Democrats in the sixties either. I think both those parties, both those parties, as we all know, have gone authoritarian over the last few decades. Just they've slid. Yeah. Post nine so, eleven, I, I think, is when we've really seen the explosion in that regard. You know, a bipartisan effort to grow the size and scope of this government. Right. This national security state, the you know, sliding towards more socialist economic uh, policies. You know, licensing the utter lack of criminal justice reform on either end. Yeah. Uh, so, so when Drew says, I think we have more in common with the left, I think he's thinking of the left as it may have used to been. Is that good English? Yeah. As it may, yeah. <laughs> as it was before. I don't think we have much in common with the, the core of the Democrat movement or the Republican movement as it stands today. Um, you know, between the Biden supporters and the Trump supporters, I think we have more in common with that vast, you know, group of non-voting or people who got sick of voting, uh, people in the in the uh, politically homeless independent sphere. Right. So to me, our mission field is is that group. I don't know that we have to try to pull people from the left, quote unquote, you know, the traditional notions of the left or the right. And I never, I never really got into the, the left and the right. <laughs> You're good. We can edit that, right? Yeah, yeah, I can edit that out. I'll scrub right. it out. But uh, uh, so, so more or less, you know, I, I kind of want to go back to the point about the libertarian socialists and kind of my how I've interacted with them and and why I've kind of came to the conclusion that I have is because for a while I thought that libertarian social libertarian socialist referred to voluntary egalitarianism. You know, Mm -hmm. I I thought that that was kind of the idea and it wasn't until I saw more and more of these people advocating for taxation, (laughs) you know, and that taxation Mm -hmm. to be utilized to help other people, which, you know, I get, yeah, it's, I understand the concept, but the whole thing is, is that like we as libertarians have pointed out that the government will never, ever do what's right. It's not ever going, it's going to serve itself and itself first, and it will give the crumbs to whoever's left. So there is not a possibility for me um, to endorse that type of mentality, like at all. I, I actually made a little post about this, you know, probably a year or more ago where I talked about you know, libertarian socialism or anarcho-communism or whatever you wanted to call yourself because they're basically the same thing. Um, Every time I got into any kind of discussion with somebody who self-identified as as a libsock or whatever, it felt like, you know, you scratch the paint a little bit and it's red underneath. Yeah. Right? So, in a sense, I... 
we would get into these discussions and I would say, okay, if I own a factory and you think you're not, you, you think you own the product that comes out of the factory. Why do you think that? And I mean, it's a classic, it's a classic uh, refutation of the, the socialist or communist um, view that the worker owns all product of their own labor, except for, we had a contract, an implicit contract of employment, where I said, I would give you $20 an hour to produce widgets in my factory. That is the value of your labor. You have been recompensed for your labor with that $20 an hour. If you don't think that's enough, you don't have to work in my factory. Right. But at no point do I ever, ever owe you a share in my factory unless that was explicitly negotiated in the terms of employment. Right. When you go on strike, you know, you're perfectly within your rights to unionize and collectively bargain or whatever like that. But if you, if you say, if you lay claim to, you know, ownership of my facility that I spent the capital on, that I took the risks to build, uh, you are violating the NAP. In a lot of cases, if you, if you use force, fraud or coercion, to say, well, we demand X, we demand ownership in your factory, or or you walk off the job, that's fine. That's not aggression if you walk off the job. If you keep me from hiring other workers through force, fraud, or coercion, you've you've not only violated our our non-aggression principle, but you've also sort of when you when you band together into that union, you're forming a state. So this whole stateless you know marxist idea of a stateless worker run society is is false as well because the yeah. workers to somebody you know you've formed a government i don't care if it's not a very big one but you can't say that classical marxist theory and anarchy are the same thing right you've somebody's in charge if it's the workers okay great the workers are now in charge of the workers you're you're still forming a state it never will not be a state at some point so um i kind of i kind of don't you know i don't agree with any of these notions you ever like i said every time i scratch the surface there's communism underneath and there's force involved right and that is not ever going to be a good bedfellow for libertarianism ever that's my view yeah same here if you wanted the freedom to go purchase you know land somewhere and do your own thing i'm never going to get in your way but don't you know when it ultimately goes tango (laughs) and (laughs) and you run out of food uh you know you're going to come to me i'm going to say well i'll sell you some wheat right and you're going to say, but I, don't, I think you should give it to me. Or, you can get, we're getting a little off the rails, but I just don't, I don't see how any of these uh, uh, methods ultimately work without force or coercion or the implicit, uh, you know, like I said, coercion in the form of implicit threat of force. Right. And I think, you know, for me, where I think that it's possible to uh, have some form of body immunity, and I think pretty much the idea that I had in my head all along was those people who are more uh, 
in tune with doing charitable acts for other people through their own voluntary efforts. And I think of that as being the left. Uh, it's just this idea that I have in my head. And so in that sense, you know, yeah, that's that that is in line with libertarianism. And in my opinion, voluntary charity is what's going to be needed in order to wean our society off of the state. So, yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a section of libertarianism that needs to thrive. Did you also notice that one of Marx's pillars is to destroy uh, religion? I have heard that. I so, did not know and, that. And if you think about historically uh, through the ages and people can criticize things like the Catholic Church all they want. And that's I understand they're not immune from criticism, but private charity was the norm. Uh, for a long time. And then, you know, I think, I think what Marx probably realized is he's got competition. If he wants to provide for everybody in under his system, he can't have somebody else coming along and competing and saying, no, we feed the poor because we believe it's our, you know, God given duty to our fellow man that competes with his system. Right. So, uh, and, you know, it's just a thought. And you see a lot of those efforts now, you know, picking up, not only in this country, but in others. I mean, and and whether you agree with it or not, you know, uh, missionaries, they they're going into other countries where the governments just aren't providing. Which you know, mm -hmm. we knew that, but um, you know, they're actually going and taking the wealth that they've acquired as a organization, religion, whatever, and they're helping other communities to build up from the ground up. You know, like clean water initiatives and, and things along those lines. Uh, schools, hospitals are being built in other countries and other places. I mean, there's, there's a private charity that uh, LABC as a family has supported for years before we even did this. Um, and yeah, it's, it's faith-based. It's through, uh, well, it's, it's linked to my church because one of the church goers uh, is from Kenya. And you know, what do they do? They have a, they have a literally an orphanage slash school for kids that come off the street in this particular city in Kenya where they are. And they give them an education and they, you know, get them to university and all these things. And they, they have a, a, a somewhat self-sustaining, you know, gardens and livestock and a farm going, you know, they keep expanding digging water wells and doing all this stuff and they're lifting the whole community up and they're doing it based off of private charity through you know linked to various churches and things like that so that is awesome does the kenyan government not have an interest in this sure they do are they doing it doesn't seem like it right I mean, they have they have other you know things they're spending their money on but we could that would be a whole nother That'll be a whole nother episode, right? Talking about why do we send these billions and billions of dollars in aid to third world countries and it never seems to get anywhere. And everybody who looks at it knows it's because bad governance yeah. soaks it all up. I can't remember. I saw something on Twitter the other day and it was that uh, foreign aid is the rich countries taking money from the poor and giving it to the rich in poor countries. And that's essentially... It's not too far off yeah it's pretty much how it pans out and so of course it doesn't work <laughs> i mean what it's just it's just backwards logic but whenever we see not necessarily poor but you know people who actually care and there's a passion behind 
why they're doing what they're doing for other people, we see positive benefits happening, such as, you know, the charity that you give into. And that to me, that, that action is what I consider to be part of the left and just the compassion for other people suffering and, and things along those lines, not to say that the right or self-centered assholes or anything like that. It's just, I've just attributed that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my understanding of the left is all wrong. Well, it, uh... I think, and it's important to to realize we're talking about the popular cultural notions of left and right in this country, right? Which, right. you know, the right being the churchy people and the left being the university people wearing tweed or whatever. Um, right. Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily think there's anybody has a monopoly on compassion. They just seem to go about it in vastly different ways. So, let me ask you this then. So we've kind of established what. Um, you know, left libertarianism looks like and what it doesn't look like. What do you think would be the best way to approach somebody discussing bottom unity? Like, how do we, I, how, how do we change the course of the conversation in the community? I, well, I would, I would probably just go with what I was saying earlier, ask them, what, what do you think this means? What do you think? I mean, we're talking about left versus right libertarianism what do you think left libertarianism looks looks like versus right libertarianism if we're talking about the sphere of libertarianism i would say culturally left and culturally right libertarians have cultural preferences but as libertarians we should all pretty much focus on the same neutral ground of this is not a state or government issue like i may personally be pro-life but i don't believe the state is the best arbiter of how to approach this issue. Uh, left libertarian might say, you know, if it's a matter of preferences, like what you're looking at as far as um, social issues that you prefer to focus on, like, you know, racism or uh, uh, anything like that, you might say that's left libertarians. Right. Um, Right libertarians may be more focused on business and economic economic issues, but that doesn't mean that a left libertarian shouldn't absolutely support unrestricted gun rights, which is traditionally a quote, you know, a, a conservative or right libertarian issue. I don't I think that's actually one of the odd um, oddly one of the issues that I've never heard libertarians argue over is gun rights. You ever notice that nobody, yeah. nobody on the left libertarian spectrum, if that's what we're going to call it, again, uh, says, "Well, I think I, I believe in common sense gun laws." Right. I, I I don't hear that at all. No. Um. And I don't really know that any right libertarians are going to say, "Hey, I'm not going to," you know, "You want to live in a commune? Great." I don't think anybody actually opposes people living personally the way they want to live. It's when the rubber meets the road you start reaching out and trying to force other people to do things a certain way that, that we run into conflict. I, I don't, I understand we will always have cultural preferences and differences in the LP for instance, but I don't, I don't think there's room. And this is the whole, not a real libertarian thing. I think you can be a real libertarian. Uh, I think it becomes harder for you to say you're a libertarian. Like I said, when you're, percentage score of things in the platform I agree with drops, you know, below 
80% yeah. or below, you know, if you're not going to go, that goes back to my analogy of the, of the, uh, you know, it's a church, it's a religion. If you're not even uh, going to say that personal, you know, unrestricted economic activity is a right, dude, that's half our platform. Yeah. It's economic issues and yeah. what the state should not be involved in. Um, and uh, this is just an example. I, I remember there was a guy at our church who had talked about going to seminary and he said, one of the things they do at seminary is sometimes if, if you're like, if you're going to a cemetery for the Baptists, the Presbyterians or whatever, they might let you stipulate certain minor issues that you have with, you know, what the Baptists say is completely orthodox or what the Presbyterians say is completely orthodox. And that's fine. They will actually let you graduate as an ordained minister of some denomination or the Catholics even, and let you, and let you have a slight disagreement on one or two points. But if you come out and you say, well, I don't believe Jesus is actually God. Okay. In the Christian thought, that's completely heretical in every sect of every group of Christianity, right? Right. To deny the divinity. All right. So that's an example. <laughs> this is where this connects. To be against half our platform when it deals with economic freedom, how do you, how do you stipulate or how do you, how do you say that's a scruple I have? That's more than a scruple. That's a fundamental difference in, in how you approach the world. Right. And I don't, I don't understand how you can do that any more than I would say. And in as much as I don't think fascism is right wing and communism is left wing, I think they're the same thing. Right. We all think they're the same thing, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect somebody on the, the, the modern Republican side of the Libertarian party. And, and we have, we have bid several of them adieu and it kind of uh, broke my heart when somebody like Austin Peterson says, well, I think I'm going to vote for Trump because of these reasons. And I'm like, you know what you do you, but it's probably better that he left the party if yes. that's where he's going to go. hundred percent. I agree. I agree. And he and and somebody like Austin is way way more platform centered in reality than Mike Shipley. Yes. For instance, not even a contest. I I don't think Austin should be running around saying he's libertarian, but he's not to his credit. I think he's probably well, I, I'm going to go liberty republican. And that that is not the same thing. Right. And that's kind of, uh, you know, one of the things with with. So here's 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 my take on it. And, and what you've described, it, it kind of aligns with this in the LP. We see people vying for attention who are either Democrats who really like guns or Republicans who really like weed. Right. Those are two very <laughs> specific people or types of people who will not align with the overall premise of the platform of the Libertarian Party. Somewhere along the way, they're really getting tripped up. And instead of looking and saying, hey, I have more in common with one of these old parties and going and trying to make their caucus or whatever, they're trying to say, oh, we're going to take over the Libertarian Party or you're doing this all wrong or blah, blah, blah. And I, I just I don't see it that way. I, I, I see it as you just you're not right. in the right place. Well, and look at what other and I'm not saying that other parties, we should look to them for an example. But if you look at what a caucus is supposed to be or what it is generally thought of outside the LP. The different caucuses, say, inside the Republican Party 
are not supposed to have vastly different platforms than the mother party. They are more like, well, we have a special interest, like the Republican uh, or the, I guess, if you look at like the Congressional Black Caucus, what are they for? They are to concentrate on issues that particularly affect African-Americans. Right. Right. That doesn't mean they, and, I, and I'm not sure, maybe I'm showing my ignorance here. I don't, I think that's a, not necessarily a Democrat or Republican caucus. I think they, I think that's more of a, anybody can join caucus, but I may be wrong. But, but, for, but for instance, to say the Libertarian Socialist Caucus of the Libertarian Party believes this, and that, like I said, half of their platform is diametrically opposed. When you would say the LP Radical Caucus, if you look at their platform, it's pretty much the same as the LP National, but more words, you know, right. and more examples and more particular. Right. I, I personally don't know, you know, that I would even bother putting out a platform, but I, I'm not going to tell anybody else what they should or shouldn't do with their time. It's just a caucus shouldn't be bringing another party into a party. <laughs> I mean, right. You're not supposed to be, in my view, you shouldn't really try to be a party inside a party. And that's what we have in the LP is we have these caucuses that are essentially many parties that that compete for attention, that compete with for ideas instead of providing people with, you know, a focus group. Right. Kind of deal. So I understand like uh, outright libertarians. I don't know that you would consider them a caucus. Maybe they, uh, we'd have to talk to Aaron, but I understand why they exist. They exist for what, you know, Aaron Adams would call the GSM, the gender and sexual minorities and issues of interest to them. That's, that's probably what I would consider a proper application of a caucus. Right. And I can, I can see that. And, you know, he, here's one that, and I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but one, one caucus that I saw start out being very pigeonholed and has done a lot as far as being an adult and coming to the table is the Mises caucus. Mm -hmm. I've, I've watched those guys mature and, you know, just the overall sense, you know, it, we saw it after the national convention, man, like Smith didn't win. That was a loss for them. They were still held, held their chin high and walked forward instead of packing up their toys and going home or saying this party's right. effed, you know, or whatever. And that's what I would like to see more of, you know, and, and, yeah, I and like I said, I don't align with if I aligned with if I would say we aligned with anybody. I mean, it's hard to say you don't align with the radicals in the sense of their views. Right. It's their methods that should be setting them apart. Right. Their their aggressive method or their direct method of, of you know, we're not trying to do as incremental approach as the other caucuses. We're here to win as soon as possible you know that that's that's fair uh the libertarian socialist caucus is bringing in an economic system that is basically anathema yeah to to what a libertarian view would be and I, like i said we we're talking about the lib socks we're talking about bottom unity today we can also talk about uh you know maybe another time we'll dunk on dunk on austin peterson and his friends 
or Hoppians <laughs> or the Hoppian. I, I'm going to tell you right now. I think Hop is sort of creepy or Hoppa or Hoppa. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I, every, I, time, every time somebody says Porsche, I think a little German kitten dies. <laughs> so I, I here's the thing is I, I have not read Hop or Hoppa, whatever you say, however you say it. Right. And I don't plan on it because of the overwhelming amount of the people who are self-proclaimed Hoppians are insufferable people. I mean, just <laughs> the worst type of personality. Like, like, here's why we can kick the gays out of our town. Right. And I understand it's one thing to say um, libertarians would have opposed the Civil Rights Act because we believe you should be able to have ultimate freedom of association. Yes. Now, in the United States, that takes a particular form. I should be able to have a, a uh, restaurant with a sign on the outside that says, you know, Democrats not welcome or something like that. Right. Or whatever. Uh, now, how I'm going to enforce that, I don't know. But my problem, like you may be having Hoppa or Hop or ha Mr. Hans, I understand his philosophical arguments essentially go towards, uh, you know, freedom of association. A community should be able to set standards that the community observes, or you don't have to be a part of the community. I understand that. But if you're going to use those, those philosophies and achieve an immoral result, I'm out. Right. And when you say we should be able to exclude black people, gay people, people with purple hair, whatever, you need to be checking, is my result a moral one? And I am somebody who believes there is an ultimate moral authority, or I wouldn't be a very good Presbyterian. Right. So if, if that's where you ended up, you need to either A, check your premises, or B, check your methodology. Because we should not be ending, we should not be ending up with an immoral result. And on the left libertarian side, the libertarian social side, the immoral result is I've used force and unjustly acquired someone else's property. On the right, if you're discriminating, if you're if you're exercising your rights to discriminate personally and you end up turning away a black family at the lunch counter because of their skin color. That's immoral. I agree. And objectively wrong. So that that's, I guess what I'm trying to get at is you either have a, a faulty premise or a faulty methodology. If your if your, if your end result is, is objectively immoral or wrong. And that, I, yeah, it makes sense. sense. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. And I, I'm going to quote Tom Woods on, 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 kind of the the idea behind this and that is you know he says that or he I, there was a big uproar about it but he said you know while we should be advocating for the legalization of sex workers we should not be advocating for the normalization of it now i'm not taking a stand on that at all i'm not saying i agree with him but i understand what he's saying and the fact that he gave out that disclaimer made it a little bit more palpable for a lot of the people who wouldn't normally listen to that type of message. And I think that if Hoppians, Hoppa, whatever you call them, were to do something like that or, or to have that kind of approach instead of this whole 
edgelord mentality, like, let me just shock and awe everybody. I think that they would have a lot right. more people willing to sit down and listen to them or, you know, work with them. And that's kind of the deal, man, is that you're talking about a party that literally has stood on same sex marriage and rights for, for, you know, the LBGTQ community since its inception. And now you want to take this line of thought that like, you're going to boot them out of your community. Like, what are you trying to accomplish with that besides destroy what progress has been made? Um, it doesn't, it doesn't register as genuine to me. Right. Um, yeah. So bottom unity. I, <laughs> like I said, back to the, back to the ultimate, or, or our first, my first point, I think the dual axis spectrum is false. Essentially. Maybe yeah. you just, maybe you flatten it into a really, really smashed up oval or yeah. something. I know a lot of people have talked about the real spectrum goes from the upper left to the lower right and everything else is kind of window dressing. I, I maybe could get on board with that. The real spectrum, like I said, authoritarian, more state, less state. Right. You know, on one end you have 1984 and on the other end you have uh, anarchotopia or whatever. Right. When we can argue over whether that is reasonable uh, at a, on, on a different episode, because I, 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 you know, just for everybody listening, I am not an anarchist. I am a libertarian, and if you don't understand, not that that's bad, to say anarchists and libertarians are slightly different critters, it's fine. We can all row the boat together. I will tell you, if you go look up LP history, and you read about things like the Dallas Accord, when the party was forming in the early years, it, there, it was basically, you know, three-fourths small government minarchist libertarians and about a fourth what would be called ANCAPs today, right? Right. And they got together and said, hey, we're not going to get anywhere if we're going to fight over whether the state should even exist. And that's why the statement of principles for the LP says where governments exist, they should do this and not do that. You, know, that, you can go read that. That's the history behind that. In my view, properly understood libertarian spectrum goes from, you know, a classical liberal anti-federalist Madisonian republic somewhere between that and, and Kapistan. I think we can all work together. And I know there's a lot of NCAP folk that think voting is immoral and all these other things. And we can have that conversation another time. But I, I think as fellow travelers towards less government, you know, it works if we're talking about a spectrum that includes mostly liberty and reducing government. And I think what happens with Lipsock with socialism at all is, yeah, okay, let's destroy the state. The difference being, we can all say together, yes, let's destroy the current state, but the Libsox will try to replace it with something else where the minarchists and ANCAPs don't intend to replace it with anything. Right. We intend to replace it with natural emergent order that Hayek talked about and that Mises talked about. You know, that's what we're, everybody from Adam Smith on down, you know, we, we're talking about 
if not law of the jungle, it's law of uh, nature, which isn't the same. Yeah. If you believe in natural rights and natural law and yeah. all that, I think, I think we can have a big tent. <laughs> like I said, the ends of the tent are in Kapistan on one end and, you know, uh, what I would call 1789 America, but, you know, without the slavery part. Right. <laughs> I think if we, I think that got corrected, but I think, I think other things went wrong, you know, up until that point. But if you could, if you could roll the United States back to a constitutional Republic, including the good amendments, like the 13th amendment and taking out the bad amendments, like, you know, direct election of U.S. senators and the income tax, you know, we could probably achieve uh, a liberty-oriented republic that everybody could live with. And I, and I know a lot of ANCAPs would be like, dude, we would love to be there. Right. And I can turn around and say to ANCAP friends of mine, I would love to live in your society too. I think we could all agree that either of our societies as we see them is orders of magnitude better than what we're in now. Yes, 100%. But the ultimate goal, end goal, whether they want to admit it or not, of any socialist of any stripe is not going to look like that. So bottom unity, I don't, like I said, well, let's talk about, let's talk about Shipley. I mean, the libertarian, his, his chair run was perhaps ill-fated from the start. Um, but and I'm not saying he's an evil person or anything, but he did leave. So I don't know how you can say bottom unity and then take your ball and go home if you don't feel you're being supported. I mean, you're, you're not selling all, uh, the LP on your ideas, mostly because your ideas are terrible. They suck. <laughs> I'll say it for great. you. <laughs> they suck. Uh, but I mean, you know, it, it, it was doomed from the jump street and that's partly because of what he was preaching, but also because of his methodology, which God, man, when people, if you have a radical idea, you got to make it palpable and, you know, screeching at everybody and pointing the finger and taking zero self-reflection on why people don't like you, you're not going to have a good result ever, you know, um, I don't know why that's so hard to comprehend, but it does seem like a lot of these types of radical individuals that are trying to fall underneath the umbrella of libertarianism suffer so badly with that. And it's everybody else's fault, but their own, if you were to ask. Well, and, and the LP being the most viable third party, we're, we're going to attract fringe. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just it's just going to happen. I mean, I've seen some pretty nutty people come in and say, "I'm a libertarian." It doesn't Joe, matter, you know. Joe sometimes, exotic. yeah, Joe. <laughs> what did Josh say? He didn't want to know a libertarian if it. <laughs> Josh Dial <laughs> yeah. Yeah. on that show. Um. Anyway, I just don't I don't see bottom unity as real, um, simply because I don't agree with that spectrum, or that. Uh, you know, the notion that, well, I'm a libertarian. I just think that uh, I should be able to smoke weed all day and force you to give me things. Yeah, no. Wait, what? No, right. <laughs> no. not any reality. Is that ever going to work? Um, yeah. Like basically, if you hear people saying words like wage slavery yeah. or personal and private property are the not the same thing, These, this is uh, a dog whistle 
yes yes for communism yes without a I, doubt this isn't this isn't up for debate yeah i've spoken no. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you, since you've spoken on bottom unity uh before we wrap it up i do want you let's let's kind of touch base on this whole idea of libertarians for joe biden right what, all four of them all four of them what is the labc official statement the official statement is a y f k m but i'm not going to say it out loud uh the people some of the people that are uh, all i know is people can go out on the twitter and check them out uh they self-describe as that there's four people tweeting under this twitter handle uh, they ask for retweets periodically nobody does everybody quote tweets them and says what the hell is this right. <laughs> the, the retweets they're getting um it, it's been my uh experience that after looking at them the past day or two that you know there's not a whole lot of positive reaction to them um they claim we're for his character. Joe is a good guy. And I'm like, Joe has boundary issues. Yeah. Joe has yeah. arrogant issues. Joe has a lot of problems. Joe is Joe. Obama, dude. Like Joe is a shittier, great <laughs> yeah. value version of Obama. I mean, this is a guy, what I don't understand is the people behind that at one point, at least, were huge abortion abolitionists slash, you know what I mean? Like there was a particular stripe of NCAP who, you know, were very, very culturally hardcore anti-abortion. I mean, I'm just, just throwing that out there. Uh, and yeah. it was my understanding that a couple of those people were of that variety. And then they come along and say, well, Joe is, has better character than Trump and we can't deal with Trump anymore. So we're going to vote for Joe Biden who Jesus wants Christ. to reinstate his assault weapons ban. Yes. Who supports planned parenthood and you know, all this kind of stuff as part of his party. Yeah. So I, I don't understand it. I, I'm not sure. I'm not qualified to diagnose people psychologically. I will. <laughs> as a non I'm not a practicing psychiatrist, psychologist, or even a counselor or any of that. But yeah, I don't understand why you would ever pick Joe Biden if your stated goals in the past, if not explicitly on your new Twitter handle, were, you know, hey, we're for gun rights. We're libertarians. We're for all these things. We're picking Joe who is opposed to all the things that we support. Right. Uh, but he's a good guy. Here's the thing too, man, is that it, it is while you, I'll say it, it, what you're seeing with that account is unbridled mental illness, just taking a hold <laughs> of a social media platform and running with it. And what really bugs the shit out of me because nobody's taking them seriously. They're getting the response that they deserve. And that is getting right. quote, quote tweeted into oblivion. But what, irks me is when they say that they are involved with their local affiliate and that involvement is oh the whole we are members of lp national and then yeah. i have to come in beating back the brush the backfire you know yes. say with people going these guys are lp national 
I knew LP National was trash. And I'm like, well, anybody with $25 yes. can call themselves a sustaining member of the LP. Right. National or whatever, or, you know, similarly join your state. Affiliate. I don't think they've said anything about their particular state affiliate. Have they? Yes, yes they have. And that's oh. where, that's where I took issue with it is because these people who will not be named have done nothing, zero goose egg to help the party in any way, shape or form, or put in any effort beyond handing a check over and pretending to run a campaign. I agree with that statement. That's that's the extent of it. And so if that's what you want to call membership, uh, I guess, but well, really they also they also attack other libertarians. Yes, they we caught on the regular. Yes, we caught so much flack as delegates. Including me. Me too. <laughs> you know, uh, when we made our resolution against, you know, the uh, tiny emperor, Nick Sarwark and what he was pulling. <laughs> oh, that was so weird. Yeah, it was strange. <laughs> it was a strange deal. Way one weird way to end your legacy for sure um but they were strongly in the pro sar work camp and and completely uh yeah right just talked non-stop stop it, smack it about seemed us like attention seeking and you know what i mean like trying to hitch your wagon to the somebody with clout i guess man in, but, a, in a bizarre attempt to increase your own but that but, but, he was on his way out. It's like it's, dude. You, picked, I know, I know. You picked a losing side already. Like, to, anyway, yeah. So, libertarians for Joe Biden is what they should be called. <laughs> well, right. And libertarian is a is a phrase that means any libertarian that's not like me, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. It's the how you use that, but they are, they are out there, and I. And when you when you talk about unbridled mental illness, and I, I'm like, statistically speaking, are all four of them? Yeah. You know, yeah. Naughtier than a fruitcake, or something's going know. on. Something's going on there. Uh, whatever it is, it's not principal. It's almost like they've gotten this like echo chamber going on to where any idea passes anything goes you know well, I, I know who I, I suspect i know who two of the four are but i don't know who the other two of the four are or if they exist or I if think, they're dogs i think it's two it may be the dogs and it's like an alter ego type of thing yeah maybe oh shit now we're getting into the twilight zone of this thing yeah except for this probably totally true <laughs> probably. that's the difference <laughs> it probably is so there there it is the official statement is that they are yeah they're not libertarians in in the sense that they claim to be and they're not members of this affiliate in the sense that they claim to be either um oh, you can be a member of the affiliate on like i said on record on the computer mm -hmm. but a lot of people are members and then I never see them at the meetings and then I never nope. see them at convention and then they say things, Oh, I'll be at convention. And then they're not. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, they complain about the affiliate and how it's run. And I'm like, but you never ever show probably because thing. you're afraid of being shouted down or argued down or successfully yeah, you bring that Biden shit into a OKLP state convention, you're not going to have a good time. It's no. going to be a bad reception. For we will obstruct you. Yes. Because we're good at that. <laughs> Obstructionists. Bully. You forgot the bully part. Oh, bully right. Yeah. We're bullies, all 14 of our delegates. <laughs> Bullied the other thousand. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Jay, 
Thanks a lot, buddy. You know, I love you to death, man. Um, is there anything, anything you want to plug at all for the five people that listen to this podcast? Um, vote for Joe Jorgensen or you're lame. How's yes. that? Uh, yeah. I know a lot of people who are like, well, I can't vote for Joe. Be my, my, B, my big B for the past few weeks is libertarians who refuse to vote for Joe because fill in the blank. She said this one thing. Right. I'm like, okay, if that causes you to not vote for Joe, shut up. You are not going to vote for her anyway. Yes. I don't believe you. Yes. She supports BLM. Okay. How many times do we got to go over this? Uh huh. I actually said to a Trump supporter, who said I could never vote for Joe because she supports BLM. And I said, yeah, you mean kind of like Donald Trump said there were very fine people yeah. at that racist rally. And they go, that's been discredited. And I go, uh-huh. See where I'm going with that. Yeah, exactly. She said, I support the, I think we should support the protesters and not the movement. She said this several, I don't know how many times she said it in a room full of LP radicals at convention that I was privileged enough to be present for. And she explained it. Yeah. And, and we're, we are for anti-racist means let's attack the parts of the system that are objectively racist against groups, certain groups of, you know, disproportionately against minorities and things like that. That makes sense to me. It didn't have to be a dog whistle. People made it into one probably unjustly, but yeah, I understand why people hear that, hear phrases they don't like, and then jump to conclusions because nobody is curious anymore. Yeah, I agree, man. That nuance nobody, matters. And, and nobody wants to find out. Yeah. They just want to be mad. Now, there, there's a one of my followers on, on Twitter, and I got to give him a shout out. I hope he listens. He goes by Yukon Cornelius. And <laughs> we've, we've had in-depth conversations. And his reasons for not supporting Joe, those are and his own reasons and they're valid he never once said oh i was going to vote except for right like you know and that's that's the type of person i can respect 100 percent. so yukon if you're listening to this buddy you've made the list of good people in my book but there's a lot of others out there who uh who've, who've been kind of like what you said i'm not right. voting for joe because of one thing you know and that one thing is just laughably stupid so all right well uh, Jay, I'll be linking your, uh, Twitter account and all of that. You want to okay. give your, uh, address or for your Facebook page? Uh, it's just facebook.com slash armed bears, armed bears, plural. Uh, yep. Okay. And then, uh, there's an armedbears.org where I, I technically have a blogger blog, but what I do there is I'd basically just mirror Facebook posts to the blog in case Facebook gets mean and deletes all my stuff. At least I have it out there somewhere. So if you follow the Facebook page, you do not have to follow the blog or anything like that. The Twitter is the spicier version, right? Of everyone. I yeah. think so. If y'all want to follow great. I usually follow back unless you're crazy. <laughs> unless you're or liber libertarians for Joe Biden or, or a lip sock. <laughs> they, were they were following me and you and <laughs> yeah. mrs lbc and now they're not yeah after we said what yeah who are you yeah i blocked they punished, they punished us with an unfollow oh no i okay. blocked one of the original authors and so i'm not gonna let his sock account you know <laughs> okay. follow me either so anyway well jay thanks a lot for joining us and thanks we will have for you on having me on yeah we'll have you on a lot of fun 
Yeah, let's have uh, Kevin on and we'll just, you know, toe to toe. Kevin, you hear that? You're getting called out, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you later, Jay. All right. Thank you. And there you have it. That was the great and powerful Jay Norton, a.k.a. the Libertarian Armed Bear. Um, Yeah, that was an awesome episode. I really enjoy talking to people that I know in real life on here. I... I like talking to everybody on this show, um, but I feel like I have a little bit better banter and back and forth with the people that I know uh, outside of this show and and in real life. And Jay is one of those people. Uh, Both him and his wife both have been awesome individuals in my life, and I uh, cherish the fact that I get to know them and uh, call them friends of mine. So I hope that you have people in your life that influence you in positive ways like they do in mine. And um, looking forward to having Kevin and Jay on simultaneously and having a little roundtable discussion about everything. So, uh, yeah, that's it, guys. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope that you got a little bit out of it. Hope you got some understanding. We did cover quite a bit of ground there, so a lot to digest. Uh, but with that, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the introduce introduce. Good Lord, guys, uh, the song of the day that is by a band called Bad Brains, and Bad Brains is a band. Uh, American hardcore band out of Washington, D.C., and these guys influenced a lot of people. Um, If you can believe it, they actually influenced the Beastie Boys way back when, and uh, these guys are just awesome, man. They have a really great, unique sound, and uh, talking or listening to interviews with some of the band members uh, throughout the years, both during the time that they were making music and afterwards, uh, these guys are really positive people. Uh, Talked about a lot of positive messages and this song is called the big takeover and it kind of outlines uh some of the segregation uh, mentality that the elite like to use those in the governing body like to use to try to divide and conquer us all and this song is about calling it for what it is rising above it and just finding a sense of harmony and so with that i'm gonna leave you guys with the bad brains Big take over.